Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome, Brewer fans, of the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, I'm Craig, and with me today is Vince. Uh, how, how goes it, Vince? Going great, Craig. How are you? Well, I, I put right. great in quotation marks. I, I put I put wrote great kind of in uh, quotation marks, just just so you know. Yeah, uh, and I want to start off by first thanking all of our listeners who tune in uh, every week or so uh, to listen to our new podcast. Um, and you know, we've probably had longtime fans. Our, our our actual show is coming up on like twenty years, which is pretty cool. Next year, but um, uh, yeah. So it, I'll start by saying we we do understand here in the Burke Review that being a Burr fan um, is not always easy, and uh, and we know that because it's so difficult. I think we've actually had at least one, if not multiple, of our former hosts claim. Um, you know, been casualties of that possibly, and hopefully they'll come back into the fray. But um, we will say that the last two months has been particularly horrific um, ever since the season ended. And we were very optimistic on us taking our three aces and making a deep playoff run uh, and taking a shot there. Didn't quite go as planned. And the horrific news that happened right after the season's ended the day after that Brandon Woodruff had, uh, had a shoulder injury, which is now determining he's uh, surgery on and is going to miss almost all of next year. And that brought us, unfortunately, uh, this past week of the unfortunate news, the Brewers deciding to non-tender uh, Randall Woodruff in his last year of arbitration eligibility, um, non-tender him a contract because he would have been uh, um, awarded at least about $10 million, if not more, in arbitration. And since he likely will pitch if at all, maybe a month or two of next season, the Brewers deemed it not worthy of offering him a contract. So he is officially a free agent. And uh, they, ex I, my understanding is that they explored trades. Um, and even though they had some offers, decided not to just out of respect for Woodrow so he could choose where he could go because the trade returns were supposedly negligible. So uh, what are your thoughts on all that interaction, Vince? Um, yeah, I mean... Two different trains of thought. My head and my heart have different different thoughts. To be honest, my as as a, just a fan and somebody who really loves Brandon Woodruff, I was obviously pretty crushed by the news that the Brewers were going to cut him loose and non-tender him. It was kind of a if this is the end, and there is a chance that Woodruff could still resign in Milwaukee. I think we should throw that out there as well. Um, but if this is indeed the end of Brandon Woodruff's tenure in Milwaukee, it's a it's a tough way for it to end. You know, you're you're going out after a pretty devastating playoff loss. You're, it, it's kind of like this weird ending where he's got this injury, and it's it's a tough ending. And um, you know, I so there's that aspect of things from a from a pure financial point of view. I kind of get it. I think that you know a team like the Brewers is looking at you know ways to to already in my opinion too much uh, to cut corners on on the finances. So obviously paying a guy to not pitch for you, especially with the salary that Woodruff is probably going to earn in arbitration this off season is not necessarily a good decision. Um, so I kind of get it from that perspective. That being said, I'm on record on the show as saying, I wish that the Brewers would have been able to come to terms with Woodruff uh, on a two-year deal that would have kept him in the fold here in Milwaukee for the next couple of seasons, even if he is going to miss 
um, all or most of 2024, we at least would have uh, the chance for, for him to rehab under our care in Milwaukee and then come back in 2025, hopefully, you know, strong. But, um, you know, it's just kind of hard luck on some level, too. I, I If I'm the Brewers, I, I may make the same decision that they made, quite frankly, just because of the fact that you can't really expend your resources um, on such a question mark if they are as limited as we think that they are. That being said, um, you know, I, I don't know that the Brewers are going to expend this <laughs> the money that they saved on other talent on the field. And that's what I keep coming back to. It's like, what are we going to spend this money on? And I, I guess on a, you know, so that's my first question. And then, you know, on a macro level, philosophical level, I, I guess I'm just sad because there had been this window with the three best pitchers, as you and I talked about in our pre-production meeting, Craig, um, it, the three best pitchers in Brewers history have pitched for the team in the past few seasons. And, um, never before in team history if we had a one through three like Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, and to not get further than we have uh, during that window for the team not to have stepped up during that run and make the moves that were necessary to win uh, more than one playoff game during that amount of time, it's pretty devastating. And um, you know, since 2018 at least, and I think. I think that's probably what's troubling me the most uh, about this entire situation. So, yeah, I, I guess my answer is a little complex and certainly will miss Brennan Woodruff and, and remain a little hopeful that the Brewers are going to bring him back um, maybe on a two-year deal for less money than he would have gotten in arbitration. Yeah. And that, that, that is remaining a possibility, even though I'm sure it's unlikely. Um, but the fact that the Brewers didn't trade him maybe leaves that opened an actual possibility, uh, and that'd be great. If, in my opinion, Woodruff, if you saw his last press conference right after the season ended, it, uh, you know there were some tears shed there. And if you really think about it from his perspective, I mean, if you want, want to know what would make a, a grown man cry, first of all, the thought that you're going to be injured and have no idea how or when you'll recover. So the first part of that, you know, from the financial, you're losing millions upon millions of dollars in future money because of that. Not that he couldn't re rebound from injury and most likely hopefully will, but I mean, it's really costing him lots and lots of money. And then on top of that, he probably realized that he not only was going to miss out on the Brewers playoff run this year, if there was going to be such a thing, apparently not, um, that he is going to miss out on all that for sure. And not only that, but most likely not being tender a contract for this year by the Brewers, that he'd be basically losing out on all his, you know, he was drafted by the Brewers as I think a 10th rounder came up through a lot of guys that are on the team, you know, all of his family, friends, and, you know, everyone he's known as base is professional baseball life is here with Milwaukee Brewers. And it's basically knowing that he's going to have to move on from them as well, most likely. So I guess, knowing all that because of the injury that you cost yourself millions and millions of dollars and all your friends and teammates most likely is where he's at right now. It's kind of devastating and it'll bring anyone to tears. So unfortunately that's, and hopefully that's not the case. Like hopefully the Brewers somehow find a way to bring them back on a two-year deal. Um, again, unfortunately now he's at the open market, there are a lot of teams, apparently they're willing to spend more than uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. And I guess that might be shocking to our listeners. But apparently a good number, I don't know, 28 plus uh, more, if not more, of the other teams in the league happen to be willing to spend more money than the Milwaukee Brewers on their payroll. So uh, they've got that advantage going for them. A little bit frustrating. 
Yeah, that's not literally true, of course. But uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like our payroll is not the 29th, 30 teams. But yeah, I get what, get what you're saying with that comment. And, you know, I share your frustration with Mark Adonacio. Again, as we talked about in the pre-production meeting, we, Milwaukee is not a team that doesn't have resources. You know, we, we do have resources in Milwaukee. And I do think that, you know, there is an argument to be made that ownership should be spending a lot more money on this product. And, you know, especially given the stadium deal that was accomplished recently, the public financing being a part of things, I understand the tax revenue is going to come back to benefit the state, but there is an obligation, I think, on ownership uh, of any professional sports franchise, let alone one that receives public dollars to invest in the quality of the product to a, a higher degree that the brewers have and have shown since at least the 2018 season. So I, I am waiting, uh, for the brewers to step up to the plate literally and make up, you know, make, make me eat my words here and spend some money on a, on a payroll. And I'm not just saying spend money just to spend money, but I'm saying being, be willing to invest in a cornerstone first baseman, be willing to invest in areas of the team that are clear, clearly in need of improvement that the average fan can pick out and say, Hey, we really should have a steady first baseman for the first time since the 2011 season. You know, like maybe we should, we should invest in that area of the team and quit trying to, patch things together pell-mell every single offseason and you know i i know that it's worked to a degree in the sense that we've made the postseason but it, it there has been an element of smoke and mirrors to this um experiment and it's certainly written on the back of three aces at the top end of our pitching staff since 2019 and i think that that's unfortunately you're going to see that come to an end with at least this season with woodruff being out if uh, out of either milwaukee or at best out for most of the season so uh, unless the team is willing to step up, I'm I'm very fearful of what could happen in the division, even in a time when the Brewers going into the offseason should still be the clear favorite to win the division. Yeah. No, those are some great points. And, and I mean, it's just frustrating. I mean, the, these you you just love as a, as a fan for them to try to retain the guys that have come up through their system and have shown dedication. I, I Woodruff even came out saying he wanted to sign a long-term contract with the Milwaukee Brewers. So it's almost like really frustrating that even the players that want to stay that are worthwhile possibly are, uh, are pricing themselves out of our market, so to speak. And especially this circumstance might not totally apply because um, obviously uh, signing an, an, a small market team, signing a injury a player with a current injury to a long-term deal is more than risky. But like you said, we could have had a, had a bridge contract or two-year contract. And if he, he worked, he did bounce back in that second year or whatnot and showed, I mean, we could have a good faith uh, contract negotiations with him, but I don't know. And then on top of that, more news has come out this week. And I think you pointed this out to us, uh, Vince, that Corbin Burns, uh, another member of our big three aces has, who's, got only one year of arbitration eligibility left has come out and basically said he has no plans on re-signing a long-term contract with Milwaukee Brewers after next year. So what is your take on that information? It's not surprising. Um, we all saw how the the negotiations became incredibly embittered uh, during last year's arbitration process. And, you know, part of it, part of it is, is Corbin, I think, taking things very personally Um and that's just how he's wired. But, you know, for the Brewers, again, to I'm trying to remember the exact dollar amount and Scotty's interns can probably get this here for us. But for for the Brewers to go to arbitration with Corbin Burns for something like a couple hundred thousand dollars is what I think it was to me is asinine. You know, you're again, 
I understand that that's a lot of money. I also understand, though, that that's not really a lot of money for a big league team. And I think that that's something that has been kind of eating away at Corbin since then. You know, he's come in and basically said, yeah, I'm going to do my job and it's all business. But that being said, yeah, I, my relationship with the Brewers is sour. That was a direct quote that he made to our colleague Adam McKelvey at the beginning of spring training last year when he did finally report to camp. And I think that that's something that you can't you can't really put – a price on what that what having a good relationship with your guys is gonna is gonna be. Now we didn't have that situation with Woodruff. He's come out many times and talked about how much he wanted to stay in Milwaukee, and that that hasn't happened with Corbin Burns. But apparently Corbin was willing, and he said this week uh, that he was willing to sign an extension with Milwaukee following the twenty twenty season, and that I think that they talked about it again during the twenty twenty one season, and then after the season when he won you know, the 2021 Cy Young Award, he essentially said at that point when the Brewers didn't give him the raise that he wanted or talk to him again about a contract, well, they've kind of lost their opportunity. So, you know, whose fault that is, I'm not really sure. Um, I think the Brewers just generally have a policy of, you know, kind of picking one guy to give that extension to in the, in, in the starting rotation. That was Freddie Peralta, who probably agreed to the cheapest contract first. Um, yeah, so I, I obviously didn't like hearing that interview for with Corbin Burns today, but it wasn't a, a surprise. I guess I'll put it that way. All right. Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised either. And we'll talk more about what are the Brewers to do with Corbin Burns this offseason or going into the season. Uh, a lot of people speculate, well, with Burn, Woodruff being down, you can't really afford to trade Burns. But now people are saying, well, if we're not, if we're going into a soft rebuild or whatever, you can't afford not to trade him. So we'll talk about that on one of our next podcasts. But for now, I wanted to go through to the next piece of kind of big news uh, from since our last podcast. And that's how the Brewers actually made a trade with the New York Yankees of all teams. And they have acquired uh, for first base slash outfielder um, left-hand hitting Jake Bowers from the Yankees for two minor league outfielders. And that's Jay Savina and Brian Sanchez. Um, Jake Bowers is 28 years old. He was originally uh, drafted by the Padres way back in the seventh round of 2013. He was actually then traded to the Rays, where he had some success, but not much. And in fact, Arnold worked for them then, our current GM. So he, I think he has some affinity for Jake Bowers because he actually traded away to acquire Bowers, Will Myers, uh, another package of players. Uh, but yeah, Jake Bowers is the centerpiece of that deal. And he just did not work out for the Rays as I'm sure they expected. And here we are. A number of years later, um, in fact, that that trade happened in 2015. A number of years, I'm sorry, 2014. So almost 10 years later, we're sitting here and Matt Arnold, even though uh, uh, Jake Bars is currently only going to be 29 next season, um, really, I mean, he's he, he went and acquired them and uh, he, he gave up two decent outfield prospects um, to do so. And to me, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. What What is your take on this move? I don't mind it uh, as much as you in terms of Bauer himself. Like to me, it's just a depth piece, though. It's nothing to be terribly excited about. I will say I will be incredibly disappointed and <laughs> and upset if if the Brewers' plan is to go into twenty twenty four with him as our starting first baseman. Like that is absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, no, and, and again, we've got the DH of first base spot. There's outfield spots. I mean, 
he's going to be a part of our 25-man roster after this trade, no doubt. And obviously, this means um, Rowdy Felez's days as a brewer are over, um, most likely. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we kind of knew that was coming. We had heard uh, and we reported some information from our anonymous source, Tom Carter, Craig, if you remember that conversation. Oh, yeah, that, you see. That Tom had this, and he... He said that uh, Rowdy had actually approached the Brewers and wanted a contract extension um, and had asked to be, you know, that he said that he would work with the team on, on negotiating that extension. And uh, he was told absolutely not. So the Brewers had zero interest in bringing back Rowdy to Les. And that was probably indicative or indicated, I should say, during the playoffs when he was left off the postseason roster as well. Yeah. And he was and not tenured by the Brewers. Not, not yeah, yeah, he was right, officially right, non-tender right. this week for the Brewers, too. So I just don't understand the move. I mean, it's, again, it's the same M.O. from this front office, uh, previously led by GM uh, David Stearns, and also his underling now is GM Matt Arnold, uh, really just diving in that bargain bin and hope, you know, for the corner, elf, corner, corner infielders, I should say, um and trying to get bargain bat i mean he this is he's actually eligible for his first season of uh, arbitration so we'd have control of him over three years but like i said he's already gonna be 29 he he's he's just not hit well at the major league level for for he does not profile his bat does not profile that well for a first baseman um at today's level and again if he's a depth piece that's fine i feel like we gave up too much for just a depth piece then but Anyway, um, it is what it is. He's uh, now a Milwaukee Brewer, so welcome, Jake Bowers. Um, and again, uh, he is a hope, <laughs> hope for the best. There could be a breakout if you try to stay optimistic. Hey, there may there's still a breakout. But I went and saw the same thing with some of these other players we acquired, like Telez, like Ryan Healy, like I could probably host, uh, you know, even, um, you know, John Singleton, who, you know, we've, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just... Uh, you could probably list off the like the last 10 acquisitions the Brewers have had on the corner infield there. And they're all the same type of player, someone that really never has been and most likely never will be. And unfortunately for Jake Bowers, that's the same thing. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my take on it. Yeah. That. Yeah. And, and just as a quick uh, overview, um, I had Scotty's interns hand me some, some numbers here. Last year, Bowers hit 202, uh, 279 for his batting average, 279 OBP, 95 strikeouts with 20 to go with 27 walks, uh, 12 home runs and 30 RBIs, and a grand total of 242 at bats, 84 games for the Yankees. Coming up through the minor leagues, Jake Barr was known as someone with really, really good plate discipline. I mean, he, I think coming up, he was like compared to like Joey Votto in that aspect or whatever. And unfortunately, although he can take a walk and has good strike zone judgment, he's a not a good hitter and B has limited power. So, uh, and no, but, but actually, Craig hit those numbers just looking at him here. Uh, he's had more than double strikeouts to walks every season. And in some case, cases, those numbers have been incredibly skewed. So, yeah, it's, uh, he's never been able to to get less than he's got double the amount of strikeouts in every single season of his career. It looks like, um, yeah. with the exception of his year where he had 104 strikeouts and 54 walks, so just a little short of that mark. So I mean, to me, I, I'm sure that the the Yankees had little interest in tendering him a contract, even first, you know, even a roster spot. So for them to get what they got for him is kind of ridiculous to me. I was a huge fan of Jason Vina as a prospect. Granted, he's further down in the minor leagues, but like I, I felt that he had a 
a ceiling, a pretty high ceiling um, that he could be an everyday outfielder at some point. And so that's, you know, whatever, I guess. So again, it, it just also what upsets me about it is the fact that it just shows me we're not going to go for a, you know, and we're not going to be paying for even a veteran for, or, or anyone of quality to play first base for us going forward uh, in the 2023-24 off season coming up here. Uh, I'm always hopeful that we can do something, but this trade leads me to believe again, we're just going to hit the old bargain bin dumpster dive and just fill it in with whoever. So that's worked great for offense recently, not, but we're going to the same philosophy again. And I guess that's until we get a new GM, I guess, or possibly owner, maybe this is what we have to live with forever. So it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is pretty frustrating. It's sort of like the, the go into 2023 with the Luke Voigt and Rowdy Telez model. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, next John time, we'll, we'll have our interns come up in the back of our interns come up with a list of all the corner in, uh, uh, infielders we've tried in the last ten or so years, and how many of them are were pretty much terrible or you know replaceable at any given turn. So well, I mean, I could even start a list right now. Justin Smoke, uh, you know, we had a couple, we had a a decent season and a half from Jesus Aguiar before we traded him. Eric Thames, I guess, was our longest tenured one, but even he didn't start two of the three years at first base that he was here, at least on opening day. Um, Juan Chris Francisco, Carter even to be in Chris that mix. Carter, Adam, Adam, Adam Lynn, Travis Ishikawa. Uh, I mean, we, we tried Alex Gonzalez at first base in 2012. Um, I mean, it's been kind of a disaster. Uh, and, and, you know, what kind of I keep coming back to is that first base is really supposed to be your anchor position offensively. You know, it's, it's a position that is reserved uh, for a guy with a big bat. Um, defense obviously matters at first base, but, you know, you, you kind of look offense first at that position, I would say. And um, for the Brewers to kind of settle on this cast of characters and, and guys from other teams that never really were going to pan out, and it was known that they weren't going to pan out. I think that that's the bigger problem and you've you've had some flashes in the pan i you know and eric Thames, to his credit was not just a flash in the pan he was pretty good for us for i think two seasons that being said you know he was still a bargain basement type of guy that the Brewers brought in on a lottery ticket after some good seasons overseas and he was only in milwaukee because he wasn't that expensive and you know at some point market and osseo and ownership is going to have to decide hey we also have to prioritize getting some offense on this team and we've seen it kill us in the playoffs. We like it's just like clockwork. Twenty eighteen, we ran into Travis Shaw was a, a pretty player. good Dodgers team. But you know, we we've we've had we've had offensive problems every year, twenty nineteen on, and it's just it's incredibly frustrating. No, it is. Um, it's just. Here we go again. So um, buckle up for another 2024 season of mediocre first base, uh, third base slash DH um, production offensively from Milwaukee Brewers. Unless things, you know, maybe we'll just go gangbusters and make some more trades and awesome trade and signings this offseason, but I'm not holding my breath. So, yeah. Uh, and and I, I, I say always with the caveat that Bowers, if he's just a bench piece, I'm fine with that. You know, to me, that's, that's, that's fine, but it's my my take on this is not so much anti-Bowers. It's I'm totally I'm very non-excited about Bowers. But again, if he's just a bench piece and sort of in the mix to a, a you know a bench picture, um, that's fine. But we still I think absolutely 100% need to go out and get an actual first baseman for this team. 
could not agree more. So, all right. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in, listeners. I just gonna have to wrap it up for this episode. Um, hopefully, we'll have some more exciting hot news coming for you soon. But uh, hopefully, everyone enjoys their Thanksgiving and with the holidays coming. Yeah, up. really. Yeah, really quick, Craig. Too before we uh, get off here, let me just remind our listeners: give us a follow on Twitter, Brook Review One. Um, I know that we've got a poll up there about the 2024 baseball hall of fame class would love to hear your opinion on who should be inducted there are two former brewers on the ballot uh including milwaukee favorite gary sheffield and francisco k rod rodriguez and uh you can also send your questions to uh, scott at brook review podcasts with an s um, dot com and he will i'm sure get to those at some point very soon on one of our future shows awesome all right Thank you, Scott's interns. Thanks, Vince. And thanks, listeners. And I guess stay classy, Brewers front office, <laughs> and go Brewers. <laughs> go Brewers. Thanks. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Scotty. Do, 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 do.